Good morning. Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. On a very beautiful winter Lord's Day. Jesus is coming again. And no, I'm not talking about Jesus' second coming at the end of time. Rather, I'm talking about Jesus' yearly coming to our society this time of year. Every year in December, Jesus makes a debut into our society. And every year I have to ponder the disparity between what we see and hear displayed around us in regards to Jesus Christ and his coming and what the scriptures tell us about Jesus and his coming and his purpose. I don't think we need to talk a lot about the things displayed around us, things that could possibly catch our attention and draw us away from the true purpose of Christ. But I'd like to look this morning at several scriptures that speak about Jesus' purpose in coming. In fact, all of these are scriptures of quotations of what Jesus himself said. One that has been going through my mind and really stuck out to me in the last week is found in Luke 4, and I invite you to turn there. In Luke 4, the first 13 verses give us the account of Jesus temptation in the wilderness. And immediately following his temptation there in the wilderness, we see him going back to his home area of Galilee and beginning his earthly ministry of teaching people. I'd like to read beginning Luke 4, beginning with verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began 
to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So we see Jesus going to his hometown, going into the synagogue on the Sabbath to worship. And he was given the opportunity to read from the scripture. And I don't know, I'm not familiar with uh, how their synagogue services were carried out. But apparently, those who attended uh, had the opportunity to share, to read from the scriptures. I don't know if it was a voluntary thing that, that Jesus would have volunteered to have read or if he would have been asked to have, but he was handed the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And Jesus took that opportunity to read from the book of Isaiah a prophecy of himself as he began his ministry, and I believe it was in an effort to verify who he was and also to uh, help people to understand what his purpose was in coming to earth. The section that is quoted here is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and it is not a 100% word-for-word quote from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. So it's possible that Jesus was reading a, a larger portion from Isaiah and Luke, in writing this down, summarized somewhat some of these points. But before we look at some of the things that are said here, I want to look at what Jesus said in verse 21. Because this is a crucial verse for us. In verse 21, he said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So Jesus is declaring that this prophecy was about him. And that it was that he, at that point, on that day, was beginning to fulfill what was spoken here in Isaiah of the Messiah. And I'm sure that people there in Jesus' day had, had trouble grasping that Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, was in some way the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy. We can look back and understand more fully the whole of Scripture from Old Testament through New Testament and see how that Jesus was a fulfillment of this prophecy. Now I'd like to go back and look at what this passage tells us about Jesus' reason for coming. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Jesus' coming in his ministry, was not something of his own undertaking. Now, we understand that Jesus was part of the Trinity. But he wasn't just a man here on this earth that had undertaken of his own volition a ministry. 
He was under the direct guidance and influence of the Spirit of God. All that Jesus did on earth was God's plan, and it was directed by the Holy Spirit. It says that he was anointed. It says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He was anointed to God for the purpose of ministering to the people. For the purpose of bringing the gospel message to earth. To be anointed is to be consecrated or, or set apart. So Jesus was set apart by God to come to earth and bring the gospel message and to serve as a sacrifice. And it specifically says that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. If you go back to Isaiah 61, verse 1, it doesn't use the word poor. It says the meek. And I had to wonder if that isn't maybe a more accurate description of, of the way we use the words of who Jesus was ministering to. Not so much necessarily the physically poor, but those who were meek, who, those who were poor in their own eyes. Those who recognized that they had a spiritual lack and were longing to be filled have to think of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, those who, who sense that need of, of something more spiritually. You know, many, we can see many examples in the Gospels of those who heard Jesus' message, but yet didn't recognize their spiritual poverty. And, and his message had no effect on those people or no positive effect. But today, we need to recognize our spiritual poverty, our spiritual need without Christ. Without the message of the gospel. If we, if we fail to recognize our need, that gospel message will fail to change our lives. You know, so many in the world around us are celebrating Jesus' coming, but they're missing the life-changing message of the gospel that he was sent to bring. We also see that he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Again, I think that fits hand-in-hand hand with those who are spiritually recognize their spiritual poverty, the meek. He also can possibly refer to those who are truly brokenhearted due to various issues, relational issues, etc. That Jesus comes to heal, to bring restoration. You know, Jesus is able to heal He's able to give joy in spite of these trials and tribulations that we face in life. 
you know, as I, as I pondered that, I had to think how that if we have the Lord, he gives us something to live for that is greater than the troubles and trials we face. Moving on, it also says that he came to preach deliverance to those who are captives. His message was for everyone who is a captive to sin and Satan, which is all of us. Davy read the verses this morning that if we say that we're without sin, we're a liar. We all are captive to sin and Satan. You know, God, back in the books of Moses, he gave his law to the children of Israel after they had come out of Canaan, uh, excuse me, come out of Egypt heading for Canaan. He gave them the law. And the law was given to instruct them in how to live according to God's ways. It was given as a separation point between God's people and the sinful society that they were rubbing shoulders with. But yet you can read through the Old Testament and again and again and again and again. God's people failed to keep his law. They proved that on their own, they could not keep God's law. They found themselves, even though God had given his, his perfect law to them, they were unable to keep it because they were captives to sin. But Jesus was come to preach deliverance. He didn't come to just bring a new law. He came to bring a change of heart. That's where we gain the ability to live above sin. It's by having a change of heart. He says that he came to preach deliverance to those that were captive. You know, there's an untold volume of self-help material available today. There's books and there's podcasts and there's videos and all kinds of things. Self-help things that are, that are in some way trying to give people the material that they need to better their life, to find freedom from the bondage of self and habits that that drag us down these things are are, are you know these self-help things are trying to make us into better people and i'm not knocking all of those things there's some value in them but all of those things don't deal with the issue of bondage to self, and to sin. And that was the captivity that Jesus was coming to release people from. It also says he was going to bring recovery of sight to the blind. And you know, Jesus did that many times 
touched people with healing that were blind. But I believe that this goes much deeper than that because I think he was speaking of recovery of spiritual sight for those who are spiritually blind. Anyone that doesn't understand the gospel message of dying to self in order to live for the Lord is spiritually blind. And you know, there's many religions in our world today, and they teach denying of self. They teach good works and many other things to try to bring spiritual enlightenment to get people good enough that they can go to heaven. But Jesus was coming to open our eyes to the deeper spiritual issues that need to be dealt with. Again, the fact that self is on the throne. Our eyes are open to that. And we recognize that, that God needs to be on the throne, needs to be in control of our lives. Jesus also was come to set at liberty those who are bruised or those who were crushed and oppressed. The Jewish people that day were under the tyranny of the Roman government. And for hundreds of years, they had been oppressed by various empires because after Solomon's reign, they just, God's people were in a continual downward slide. They'd come back to him, they'd go back into sin, and so for hundreds of years, God turned them over to oppression by their enemies. And so these people of Jesus' time were looking for release from that tyranny of the Roman government. But Jesus was there to declare spiritual liberty, not political you know, we can be under lots of different types of bondage. But Jesus came to give liberty that can be experienced in the midst of physical bondage. Liberty that can be experienced in no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. And that's an important message for us today. It is in Jesus that we find liberty, not in the situation uh, that we find ourselves in politically or economically or whatever. He also said that he was come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord in verse 19. And I never, uh, I never made this connection before until I was reading some commentaries, but that statement seems to reflect, at least in some ways, the Jewish year of Jubilee, where every 50 years, 
They were to have a year where debts were forgiven, slaves were set free, and properties that had been sold went back to the rightful family lines, the, the, uh, the properties in, in, in Israel and the uh, when God distributed the, the land, had Moses distribute the land to the different tribes, the land was to stay within the family lines forever. And if it was sold at the year of Jubilee, it was to be reassigned to the rightful family. So it was a year of setting things right. It was a year of, of forgiveness. In the same way, Jesus was, has come to set things right spiritually. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the age of the Lord's favor on all those who accept his message. The gospel age, since Jesus' death and resurrection, is a time when all who choose can be set free from the bondage of sin. We can have our debts forgiven spiritually. It's like a spiritual equivalent to that physical year of Jubilee, a time of restoration. I'd like to look at just a couple other references quickly on some other things that Jesus said about his purpose in coming to earth. And we'll read these fairly quickly so you don't have to turn to them if you don't want. Just one note that I found interesting the, these three that I'm going to read come from the book of John. And I was amazed in studying because I'm not reading all of them that would be possible to read this morning. But almost all of the references where Jesus speaks about specifically about his purpose of coming to earth are in the, <clears throat> excuse me, are in the book of John. First one is John 12. 46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So Jesus is saying that he came to dispel darkness. And this is maybe equivalent to giving of sight to the blind. But we need to recognize that apart from Jesus, we all walk in darkness of sin. What, what our flesh tells us, what the humanistic society around us tells us, is darkness. But Jesus came to shine a spiritual light on our path, if we'll but choose to obey him. He also says in John 10, verse 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So not just light, but life. True life. When we think of life, we think of physical life. We think of, you know, a new, a, a new baby being born, a, a new life, or... In the spring, we think of new life when, when the earth is, you know, just coming alive with the spring growth and uh, 
the birth of new little animals and birds, etc. That's what we think of, of as life. But it's not, he didn't come to bring physical life, but spiritual life. And a spiritual life that's eternal. Adam and Eve were told by God that if they ate the forbidden fruit, that they were surely going to die. And you know the story, they, they ate of that fruit. And I'm sure when they did, they looked at each other and was like, well, you know, we're not dead yet. You know, it, didn't, it wasn't poisonous in that it didn't cause them to fall over dead, but there was spiritual death. A spiritual death that caused separation from their holy creator. They lived, but they're separated from God. So they experienced death, the spiritual death, right there. And that spiritual death passes on to each of us when we were born as the heirs of Adam and Eve or the descendants of Adam and Eve. But Jesus said that I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. His remedy for that spiritual death was the new life through Christ that we can all have as we follow him. We also see in John 6, 38, that Jesus came not to fulfill his own purpose, but the purpose of his Father. He says this, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. When Adam and Eve sinned, when that spiritual death occurred, God in his love devised a plan of salvation. He devised a plan to correct that broken relationship with mankind. And his plan involved the sacrifice of his own son. And Jesus willingly came to do the Father's will, even though it cost him his life. It cost him the glories of heaven temporarily. Jesus' purpose was not his own. His wholehearted purpose was to obey and do the Father's will. And that is an example for us as well. As we come to him, that needs to be our goal and our attitude that I'm here to do the Father's will. So as I think about the Christmas season and the celebration of Jesus' birth, I want this morning for each of us to be challenged to focus on the reasons that Jesus came, not to be focused on his coming and all the traditions and everything associated with it, Our society has commercialized Christmas to the point that the real meeting is all but overlooked by many people. I'm sure there's a lot of people, probably even within our own area here, that hardly even know what Christmas really means.
I want us to each take a fresh look at what Jesus' coming means for me and for you. And to do that, we need to consider where we would be without him. Where, where would you be today without Christ? And I thought about that, and you know, our, I think our minds typically go to, if you think, where would I be without Christ? It goes to, where would I be if I had not accepted Christ? when I was given the opportunity. But without Christ, I'd be much further than that. Much further away than that, because without Christ, my parents wouldn't have had Christ. My grandparents, etc. Without Christ, probably none of us would be here. Without Christ, this world would be an extremely wicked and dark place. It still is, but the light of Christ has made a tremendous impact on this world. But without Christ, we'd be the poor. Well, let me back up. Before Christ, before we knew Christ personally, we were the poor the brokenhearted spiritually. We were the captives to sin. We were the spiritually blind and oppressed. And I question whether, whether I and whether all of us really grasp what that means, where we would be without Christ. I just read a book recently Stilling the Storm that was recently published by Christian Light. It's the story of a girl. I guess she started out as a girl and ended up as a woman. Kind of chronicles her life. Who grew up in a religious setting. Setting was Old Colony Mennonite. But due to illiteracy and rigid traditions, her and her family were living in the darkness of sin and enslaved to tradition, enslaved to alcoholism. And I read that, and it was just mind-boggling that this account took place in my lifetime. And this, this girl, at a fairly young age, had this feeling that there was something more but she was unable to, to, to find out because she was trapped in her own, her own society. And, and like I said, they were enslaved to alcoholism. And she wanted to know God, but she couldn't. She couldn't read. She had no teaching. If she asked questions, she was... She was, she was rebuffed. You know, don't ask about that. They were living in spiritual poverty. They were living in the darkness and blindness of spiritual sin. 
It made me realize again, afresh, what Jesus' coming was for. What it's done for me. What it's delivered me from. What it's delivered you from. And it made me realize that we must keep our focus on Him and on following and obeying His example and His commands. And as I said earlier, we need to follow Jesus' example of being committed to following the Father's commands, the Father's will, and not our own. We need to be committed to seeking Him daily. We need to be committed to dying to the things of this world. You know, the things of this world that, that are alluring to us are beckoning us and trying to draw us back towards what Jesus came to deliver us from. The world wants to put us, and you could, you could say Satan, the prince of this world, but the world wants to put us in bondage. The world wants to blind our eyes spiritually. It wants to separate us from the Lord's favor. It wants to lead us away from spiritual light into darkness. The world wants us to live for self rather than dying to self and surrendering to the Father's will. So as we celebrate in the coming weeks, Christ's birth. I hope that we each ponder and consider what he came for and what it means for you and for me, the difference that it's made in our lives and the ongoing difference that Christ wants to continue to make in our lives. And may it be a time that we each dedicate ourselves more fully to him and his will for us. May God bless you.